I love an eccentric, right? Mm. I love mm-hmm. I love someone who is just dedicates their life to their passions, however niche they may be, however off the beaten path. Uh, uh, the the you know the, there's fucking romance and there's comedy and there's tragedy in that in that eccentric devotion to just a, a, a little corner of your desires. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I've always been I've always been enamoured with an eccentric. Maybe who knows? It may be because maybe I'm a little of an eccentric myself. I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe a tiny. Bit. Maybe maybe. So today. I'd love to open by talking to you about one such eccentric whose story Please do. Oh man, the story of uh, the story of Franz Richel has captivated me for many a year. And as this tale unfolds, I, I you'll see why and you know this guy is is squarely fucking within the Joag purview, right? Um mm-hmm. So come with me, if you would, to uh, uh, France and the turn of the century uh, when the 1800s became the 1900s. And join us, if you would, fade up on uh, Franz Richel, who's moved to France from what is now the Czech Republic and opened a moderately successful tailoring business, right? Our man, Franz. Respectable. Very, very respectable. Uh, A a ladies' dressmaker is Franz. Okay. Uh, uh, Moderately respectable. Moved to Paris in 1898. um, And uh, living, uh, he took an apartment and opened up his dressmaking shop. Now, this is when the dawn of the aviation age Mm. was coming to rise. Okay? Yeah. Um, And... Uh, hearing as Franz did of you know the 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 burgeoning aviation technology and how the safety hadn't really been established as yet there had been deaths there had been crashes so Franz looks at his job looks at his skills looks at his talents and sets to work designing and developing a parachute suit Parachute suit? Yes. A wearable parachute that you would wear, right? I mean, um, parachutes had uh, been kind of prototyped and tested around that Mm -hmm. time. Uh, uh, A lad by the name of André-Jacques Garnerin had invented a a frameless kind of parachute. Um, uh, there, There were some fixed canopy parachute prototypes which were in use. But they were bulky. They were unreliable. Sure. So Franz decides... It's nothing worse than an unreliable parachute. It's, That's, well, ooh. by the time you realise it's too fucking late, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd like to yeah. think those words were ringing in Franz's ears when he set about sure. designing his parachute suit. Something not particularly bulky. Think, think uh, you know, the, the, the Batman's cape in The Dark Knight. Like a frame that you would wear and this fabric sits over it. Um, uh-huh. So Richel, uh, Richel uh, kind of strives away in his tailors, in his shop. He conducts some tests on himself, right? Okay, he uses. Yeah. He I mean, uses, you gotta. You gotta do it. You, you know, you, you, he's he's driven. He's passionate. 
um, his early tests were quite successful. So um, he would equip dummies with kind of, you know, and again, to use a superhero analogy, Spider-Man's little wings, his little squirrel wings under his arms. Right. He would trial that kind of thing on dummies and they would, you know, they would touch down quite gently. But converting that idea into a suit proved quite difficult. There were reports mm. of him falling, you know, uh, uh, jumps of 25 feet um, he would land on bales of hay, you know. He would use hay oh, to okay. break his fall. I was um, going to say, it feels like you don't get a lot of attempts and getting that wrong. Exactly. Feels... So he started but, okay, small. Okay, so he was prepared but for this. He was prepared, but uh, it, it, his his feeling was the heights, the low drops on his tests were hampering the the you know the the, the data that he was able to gather. He was taking off from too low to the ground. Now, mm-hmm. something happened in 1911. A colonel, um, uh, an aviation colonel uh, in France, offered a prize of 10,000 francs to anyone who could design a provably safe parachute for aviators. Okay, and this redoubled. Okay. This redoubled Richel's efforts. He refined yeah, his bet. design. He uh, reduced the weight. He managed to to, uh, uh, bring down the amount of material required to just 12 square meters. But his tests still weren't uh, uh, weren't weren't successful. Um, He actually broke a leg. So so he's like he keeps hitting his bales of hay here, you know, hitting them hard. His parachutes aren't coming out. And he's like, the reason for this is I need a farther fall exactly. for that like you need that momentum to get the yep exactly you need terminal velocity you need the wind yeah. in your fabric yeah. as it were that's what he needed right. so he petitioned uh the authorities in paris to allow him to conduct a test from the eiffel tower oh boy okay, okay. um so on and 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 this was this was a back and forth with the the authorities in Paris for quite some time. They were like, "No, we're not going to allow this. We're not going to allow this." Yeah, I can imagine they'd be a little hesitant to let someone jump off of the ah, Eiffel Tower. So he secured the permission from the authorities to conduct a test from not from the top of the Eiffel Tower, um, but from a platform, kind of one of the first platforms of the Eiffel Tower, right under the uh-huh. proviso uh, that he was going to use dummies. He was going to conduct this test on a dummy mm-hmm. dropped mm-hmm. from the first floor of the Eiffel Tower. So, uh, it's Sunday, the 4th of February. Why do I feel like he's not going to use a dummy? Franz rocks up to the Eiffel Tower in a car with two of his friends. He steps out of the car. Uh, They're assembled press. They're assembled authorities. Um, Because this test has the sanction of the the Parisian authorities, they've cordoned off an area underneath the Eiffel Tower with ropes to avoid Mm -hmm. passers-by getting injured. Franz steps out of the car wearing... His parachute suit. Of course he does. Of course he does. He doesn't even like like go up there and change into it. Like, no, oh, sir. You know, Got to be secret. He's like, He's, nope, we're and, doing this. And, and this is the picture that I build in my head of Franz. I I build him up in my head as a showman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, as 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 a driven, uh, passionate character. Um, and he announces there and then. Doesn't like you said. Doesn't even wait until he climbs the fucking tower. He announces there and then to the announcing press. Uh, dummies, my fucking ass is what he says. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to leap off. He didn't That's say that. That's not actually what he says, right? He didn't say that. If you want to know what he said, um, he actually said... I do want to know what he said. Je veux tenter l'expérience moi-même et son chic, car je tiens à bien prouver la valeur de mon invention. <laughs> That's what he said. 
I want to try the experiment myself and without trickery, as I intend to prove the worth of my invention. Okay. All right. So that's, there's a, I mean, that's hardcore. That's what he fucking said, mate. Yeah. Um, Bold. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of arguing with one of the guards, uh, but eventually he climbs. Uh, they just let him. They're like, ah, oh, all right. He gets by. His I mean, friends... you came all this way. We did all this work. <laughs> all the way up, his friends continued to try and talk him out of it. Uh... <laughs> so they didn't know. Oh, no, 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 no. He'd kept it fucking quiet, right? Because th- this was this was how he'd managed to secure the tower. The 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 authorities... Had... I just figured his friends would have been aware. Like, nope. they weren't like, buddy, why are you wearing that suit in well, the car? I... <laughs> Where they are, uh, it's just fucking Franz giving it gums, you know. Yeah, I mean, okay, he'll, yeah. he'll change his mind, but no, not mm-hmm. today. His friends tried to, you know, it was a very windy day. They were like, Franz, this is fucked, don't do it. Um, but he climbed the stairs, mounted the rails, paused, turned to the crowd. Uh, he was observed to, uh, to, to hesitate for around 40 seconds while looking down. While testing the wind, theatrically, he actually tested the wind direction by tearing a piece, uh, piece of paper out of a notebook and throwing it to the wind to see <laughs> which direction the wind was blowing. Um, uh-huh. uh, according to reports, he was very calm. He gave a smile and leapt from that tower a little more than 187 feet above the ground. Jesus Christ. He made it, right? Uh, no. Um, his parachute immediately folded around him and he plummeted to his death. Oh, man. Plummeted. It's like, in, you'd know, you know, like the second that like it, it didn't work, like the parachute folds around you, you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, so the, the paper, the Petit Parisien reports his right leg and left arm were crushed, his skull and spine broken, bleeding from his nose, mouth and ears. He was fucked, mate. And, and everybody and people were just watching this. Like yes. there's press and everything. Just yes. all that work, all of that casually. passion, all of that investment and time and planning. But do you want to know something, Corrigan? Do you want to know what really places this right in the fucking Joag Hall of Fame? Oh, that wasn't it yet. There's video. Oh, I kind of was wondering. There's video. Uh, the. News footage that was taken on that morning survives and is free for anyone to view. Black and white, glit- uh, 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 you know, scratchy. Where's the link? Oh, there'll be a link. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a link. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Franz, Richel, you live on, sir. You live on in my heart. You live on on this week's episode of Jack of All Graves. And I salute you, sir, as... Just a fucking absolute shit parachute wearing suicidal mad lad. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. I don't think anyone has ever said mise en scène in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, I'm going to leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. <laughs> uh, look, uh, listen, I'll be you. Welcome, 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 everybody. <laughs> Jet <Jet-wag>. Oh. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Wait, so I don't have as. We should do an episode I... as one another one day. That works. <laughs> 
<laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm going to have to work on seeing the world through like your very dark eyes in order to do it. Start with some sort of welcome where I, I talk about what kind of horrendous week everybody's been having. And... I wouldn't recommend yeah. seeking out my perspective. <laughs> yeah. no. I'm stuck with it, mate. No. I shall maintain my sunny disposition, Good. but uh, welcome, everyone, to Jack of All Graves. We are so happy to have you back yeah. uh, in our living rooms today with us. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark, how, how you feeling? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. What number are we on? What episode is this? 35. 35 feels like a good number to me. Uh, I've yeah, you come... know how I feel about fives and zeros. Oh, you're, that's your comfy place, isn't it? That's your happy, your happy zone mm -hmm. of numbers. All I love a good five. Interesting. The odds, odds are your happy place. Most people zero is uh, not odd, right? Well, it's not even. <laughs> it's not anything. It's not anything. I mean, like if you had thirty of something and you split it in half, you would have an even number of things in both halves. No, you wouldn't. 15, 15 is an odd number. 15 in one and 15 in the other. Both odd numbers. 15 is an odd number. Well, right. But but 30 itself can be... Okay. Divisible this by two. Sense. All right. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Now, I am not a mathematician. Um, <laughs> this is like the dumbest thing. Everyone at home is like, Jesus Christ, these the people are so stupid. <laughs> yeah, time to wrap it up, guys. <laughs> So the dumbest podcasters on the planet. They can't figure out if 30 is an even or yeah. odd number. Is, is zero a number? I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh. Oh, Christ. But we've tricked you into listening this long, <laughs> despite our <laughs> idiocy. So, uh, but this week, uh, Mark, you listened to us for the first time I after did. 35 episodes. In my defense, uh, I was... I was a few tins deep on Friday. Yeah. You know? And yeah. uh, I was looking for some music to play, as I often do of a Friday night. And I noticed Jack of All Graves in my, you know, in, in my in my um, Spotify list of stuff to play. So I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Closed my eyes, scrolled and scrolled and just hit an episode at random and had a bit of a listen. And hey, I mean, it, it wasn't for me. But I can see why others... You might. lie. You sit upon a throne of lies, sir. You yes, enjoyed I it. I did. I did enjoy I... it. And um, because it, it was an older episode that I had a, a bit of a listen to, it was um, stuff that I, I don't remember saying, I didn't remember saying. So it was nice. It was it was good to listen to it from an outside, with outsider's ears. And yeah. yeah, it was good. I see. I see. I get it, Corrigan. Yeah. Honestly, if you listen to last week's episode, you probably wouldn't remember what you said. Yeah. Tr hey, ask me what I fucking <laughs> had for breakfast today. And it would take What'd me a while. What did you have for breakfast today, Mark? No idea. I uh, habit and routine make my life possible. I'm like that fucking lad off Memento. I'm just scratching <laughs> shit on myself with a pen. <laughs> uh, yeah, you listened to episode 26, Bodies, uh, which was the one that had the famous popover conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've eased off one. on doing the Marge Simpson voice when I want to do you. But I, I really feel as though I want to bring it back because it was funny. I rewound it a few times. You ah, brought ah, it ah. back earlier today. Yeah, I did. I, did. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this making a comeback, but I, yeah, I think it's inevitable at this point. I am here solely to entertain myself, right? Let's get that mm. fucking nice and clear. Yeah, well, I'm glad that the podcast was effective at doing that. Yes, you, it was that good. You, you thought you were funny. It was, <laughs> it was good. It was good. 
funny. Yeah, I my favorite of your text message was her podcasts good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mark. They're a lot of fun. And you listen to the radio. This is what gets me. It's like I do. you, you enjoy the radio. You should the be the target audience for podcasts. What do, what is it I don't get? I don't know. Maybe I think you're what just I, listening to the wrong ones. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the reason if you want to get into this, right? I am a massive fan of radio, a huge fan of radio. Yeah. Um, and I think it's maybe it's the live element that I that, mm. that, that I feel is missing because that is a big a big draw to me for radio is the fact right. that it's live and anything by nature live. I I it, it has a, oh, a it has yeah. a, mag, a magic for me. So maybe that's where it I is. Love I love liveness. I'm like Same. I. I watch live TV all the time and it drives my mother crazy because mm. she's like, why would you watch something when you still have to watch the commercials? I'm like, it's just part of the live experience. Something sure. about knowing other people are watching it at the same time as me. Completely. And, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So I get that. I yeah. do. Um, but there's a lot of good podcast content out there. One of these days I'll convert you, I'm sure. Oh, you will. I, I dare say it's only a matter of time. I'll come around. I'll come around. Yeah, you'll come around. It'll happen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that happened this week. Uh, we also have picked a date for our next watch along, and hopefully people will will be yeah. around for it. We're getting towards summer, so people are leaving their house and whatnot. But hopefully, you'll still be able to hang with us completely on. Oops. The listen, the lighter evenings and the warmer weather to me is good for this genre that we're putting in the you know in the mix here. Mm. And uh, two weeks ago, when you know a good friend of the of the Joag universe, my buddy Dan, <laughs> suggested um, that our next watch along be MTV horror, as he yeah. beautifully termed it. So yeah. uh, you know we're in that early noise zone. I'm thinking. You mean the... late, right? Oh no, not it's, that's naughty means okay. Now I'm with you again. I thought you said nineties. Oh yeah, early noughties zone. Or the arts, if you're American. Yes. Uh, so I'm thinking the faculty. I'm thinking the craft. I'm thinking Halloween H two O. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, Jeepers Creepers. Wrong turn. Uh, what, what What are the names that come to your mind? I think you named everything that I was thinking about, and I mm. had not prepared a list. So that's I know exactly what you what did last summer. Of. Scream for fuck's sake! Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anything that involves Jennifer Love Hewitt or Sarah Michelle Gellar, things like that. Yes. You know. uh, yeah, that posse the, of people. Yeah. You know, one of the good Final Destinations. Uh, mm, all kinds of stuff like that. So mm. basically those kinds of movies. Mark's going to put out a, a poll as always. Um, feel yeah. free to sort of get in and, and try to suggest something before he puts it up in the next exactly, exactly. week or so. Exactly. That's the entire point. So before the poll goes up, I, I would love your suggestions, please. Do you have a favorite uh, MTV horror? Do you have a favorite teen fucking slasher experience? Stylized. Yes. Like a music video. Kind Absolutely. Of. Um, yeah. Late 90s, early aughts kind of stuff. Yes, and as Corey and I were chatting about just before uh, we hit record and came to you now through your speakers, what the fuck happened to Josh Hartnett? Where is Josh Hartnett, aside from in that one dream where I made out with him a few yeah. months ago? Uh, now now I've that. thought about it. Hang on. I did say Sin City was the last time I saw Josh Hartnett, but I think 30 Days of Night was the last time I saw Josh Hartnett. That's what's inspired the dream. Now I remember this. Oh, good. Ah, it was because you told me to watch 30 Days of Night. Yep. And then I was thinking about Josh Hartnett, and that's when I had the dream about 
Josh Hart and Sean Hattesey. There we go. Oh, and plenty of advance warning after the MTV Horror Watch along. We're doing vampires, mate. What? Yeah, that's the one after it. We're going to do fucking vampire films. We're going to pick up the best <sighs> vampire. Whoa, what is that? Uh, you know I don't like vampires. It's the the necks and wrists thing. Right, but <laughs> also no, because <laughs> oh, well I hadn't thought about it that way before, Mark. Ch- come on, challenge yourself. Um, uh, there are some. No, fucking... my mom loves vampires. I've grown up on vampires. It's just not not my thing. I don't know if this is a conversation we've had before, but do you have a favorite depiction of vampires on film? I, this is I feel like this is a question I've asked you before, but I, I love that I question. I think you have. But I don't think I was prepared for it last time, and I wasn't prepared for this time, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's what we do in the shadows. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. That's my Those are my vampires that I uh, will happily watch. Okay. And I'd be more than open to putting that movie on the fucking poll you know yeah. it's brilliant all right if you put that in the poll i'll allow you this unilateral decision that you just okay. made <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> my god you guys hear that he just sprung it on me next one's vampires and okay i tell you you pick one pick one you can do the one after that oh thank you yeah That's i know very kind i know i am too be- I'm benevolent <laughs> as fuck this. mate your benevolent co-host Uh, all right i'll think about it Uh, august is mine or july is mine what month is it fuck june will be vampires july will be whatever i don't what month is it fuck (laughs) i'm struggling it's a thousand degrees in here too so i feel like i'm just like my brain has melted um but so may 22nd did we say that yet may 22nd is our date May 22nd. For our MTV Horror yep. watch along. It's going to fucking kick right the fuck off on Discord. We're going to watch yeah. attractive young people uh, get killed in some really safe, ungory fashion. I seem to remember all of those films aren't particularly strong. I don't know. Well, I feel like at the time I thought some of them were... Uh were pretty gory but i don't know i haven't revisited a lot of this stuff from that year i've revisited the faculty mm. um which i absolutely love um but yeah i think a lot of that stuff was pretty pretty tame mm. in terms of like actually what you see yes but but we'll see we'll find out maybe mm. we're misremembering and all this stuff is we shall as we shall we shall um i'm excited for as it. long as it doesn't as long as there aren't too much of of my one oh, one of my deadly sins in horror films, and that's the reaction shot. I fucking hate reaction shot cutaways when you know, uh, maybe yeah. you'll see like a knife getting raised, and then someone will go ah. They'll cut to us somebody looking aghast. Don't show me that. Yeah. Don't show me that. Show yeah, me I what's actually see it connect. Yes, that's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I mean, how many of those movies are like PG thirteen? Mm. You know, I wonder. Or I don't know what your rating system is. Uh, well, so you have like R as like seventeen or something like that. For no, yours, we right. We, you, you don't really see R anywhere here. Um, you've got PG, which is fuck it, go and okay, see it. It's fine. That. Then yeah. you've got your twelves. Twelve is fine. Twelve A is a bit of a spicy twelve, but you don't really see twelve A anymore. Then you've got fifteen, and then you've got eighteen. Now this is complicated <laughs> <laughs> saying it out loud i get i get that it might appear so um 
my uh, it it feels to me as though what you'd get away with in a 15 now is where an 18 would have been maybe in the hmm. 90s and noughties um the interesting thing is ours are like totally reversed in that way where like you used to be able to get away with a lot more oh, really? in films aimed at younger people um and then now the ratings are like a little stricter than they once were yeah uh, but ours are just basically gpgr okay and if it's like real crazy mm. and no theater would probably play it nc17 but you know which is like just under x rated so am i right in uh, saying that nc17 is pretty much commercial death for a film you're not gonna make any yeah. money if you release an nc17 yeah and that's what like if your movie is you know the rating the mpaa gets it and it gets an nc17 you're gonna do whatever you can to try to cut stuff well, well in well. order to make sure that it will get that r because, can you give me some yeah, examples of, of any recent nc17s i'd quite like to know where i'm springing that on you i know sorry yeah, no, right? Like, off the top of my head? No, yeah. I have no idea. Uh, but they're, like, but honestly, anything that you would see that is, like, extreme-ish, mm. but you would still see it in a movie theater, it probably went through cuts to... I'm, like, I'm sure there are Eli Roth films and stuff like that that probably would have mm. received an NC-17 if they didn't take certain elements out of it. Yeah. Um. That's, yeah, it's, you know, they just try to... I know there have been recent ones that have gone through this, but I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe people who are listening. I'll I'll know. certainly back this up and, and post this. I'll send you some links to put on the blog and, and, and under this post on Twitter. But I think I'm right in saying that the one of the things that will instantly elevate a 15 to an 18 here is uh, repeated sexual violence. So mm. your rapes will get you an 18. Um, yeah repeated kind of sexualized profanity as well cunt will get you an 18 which is the c word isn't it <laughs> which would <laughs> just like not a word that would ever come up at all really in our no. i can't stuff, take credit so for that joke YouTube. by the way that was Stuart Lee, and I, I love that joke and i'm thrilled that i was able to get it in um <laughs> no you, you'd never get that over there would you you'd never get but you can, there's a certain, like, basically a number of F-bombs that you can drop in something mm. before it ends up with an R rating, which is why actually, so, like, Hamilton, right. now that it's on Disney+, Plus, there's three F-bombs in that show, and if you watch it on Disney+, Plus, two of them are bleeped, yeah. and Lin-Manuel Miranda had to choose which one of them was, like, worthwhile. It's something yeah. like Hamilton. Just the idea of having three f-bombs mm. is enough for it to have been like we're not going to put this on our platform but one meh. yeah um which explains why i think it was it x-men first class that got away with that fantastic wolverine cameo just telling professor x to fuck off i think that was uh days of future past but yeah <laughs> yes 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 they all blended to one past past a certain point um, but th that that managed to use one sparing and context sensitive and very very effective yep. fuck and still maintain. I think it was a twelve over here. It's <laughs> so funny. Mm. Uh, I I like this. I like this rating system. I mean, to an extent, it kind of makes sense, except mm. that it's like really what is. I don't know. I, ratings are arbitrary. I don't know why I'm trying to like justify it on any level anyway. Mm. <laughs> What's the difference between a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old? Like 15 well, exactly. and 18 feel yeah. like the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 yeah. is different. Yeah. 15 and 18 are the same thing. It's, yeah. That's just PG-13 versus R or whatever. I mean, there was a time when I'd see a horror film released as a 15 and go, ah, oh, well, that's going to be tame as fuck. I won't bother. But now you can yeah. really push 
gore and horror and violence in a 15 uh like i said when it gets oh drugs as well if if there's kind of mm. graphic use of drugs intravenous drug use that'll give you an 18 um yeah i feel like these days and maybe that's the thing is like i'm wondering what like i kind of want to google now like what was i know what you did last summer or scream or mm. things like well, scream i think is r um, but what some of these were rated, mm. just because I'm wondering, like, were they ever PG-13 movies? And oh, this is why, but... certainly an episode. There's certainly a discussion here about uh, of, of, of about kind of censorship, particularly in the UK, for a long time. The merest fucking suggestion of a chainsaw in a film in the UK was enough to get it fucking banned outright. Um Banned? Oh, completely banned. It wouldn't see the light of day. Texas 2 never got a release here until until wow. very recently. Um, movies like Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, uh, Evil Dead, completely fucking verboten. You could not see them. They were banned. Wow. Mm. That's. I don't think, you know, in general here, once you get past our, like, are you familiar with the idea of, like, the, the Hollywood film code? So you'll talk about, like, movies that are, like, pre-code Films. Oh no, no, I'm um, not. It was like there was a period where uh, basically Hollywood was being blamed for all of like the debauchery and terrible things that were going on in society. It was mm. it was going to degrade society, and the real sort of straw that broke the camel's back on all of it was um, when the actor Fatty Arbuckle allegedly mm. raped and murdered a woman. Yeah, um, and. It was to the point where people were like, see, this is the stuff that is like pervade, like, you know, pervading society. Mm. Um, we have to do something about it. And so Hollywood was like this close to having the government come in and regulate them. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's the last thing you want. Right. Is when the government gets involved, then if you do something wrong, like you can be arrested for it and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. So in order to avoid this, um, they put in a code that uh, amongst like the studios themselves. So any major studio that was going to release something mm -hmm. had to follow this like very strict list of regulations uh, to make sure that, you know, they weren't going to get into any trouble with right. them. And unsurprisingly, these regulations were often <laughs> racist, sexist, you know, all these kinds of things as well. So you couldn't have like any, you couldn't have interracial relationships. In oh films, my God, really? Yeah. Yep, no interracial relationships. You couldn't have if there was a crime uh in a film, you had to punish it on screen. So you couldn't have like, you know, anything where like someone got away with something uh, wow. or like a, a you know, making your villain into a hero, things like that. Mm. Couldn't have that. There were rules about, you know, what kind of pregnancies you were allowed to, you know, insinuate in a film, but certainly mm -hmm. not show someone pregnant in a movie. Mm -hmm. All kinds of like it just extremely strict rules. So pre-code films would often have like you know these like femme fatales and yeah, sure. like, sexuality and stuff like that in them. And then you get into you know the nineteen thirties, the late nineteen thirties, and all of a sudden movies get way more tame. Uh, and anything that's like kind of risque is like very much covered up. Yeah. And this lasted technically until the nineteen sixties, though it had pretty much directors had stopped uh wow. following it in and of itself by then anyway um but yeah there was this period of time in america where 
people weren't allowed to put like anything in movies. So then you get like once you hit the 70s, things get bananas mm. in movies. And, you know, that's when you get all your exploitation films and stuff like that, because mm. there's like this loosening of what you can show mm. in a film. And people are like, fuck yeah, and start just like, let's put the sex, let's put the violence, the drugs, yeah. the nudity, all of it in there. There's a definite equivalent kind of set up over here there was uh a lady by the name of mary whitehouse um mm-hmm. who's a, a a very socially conservative um some would say zealot some would say <laughs> you know a, 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 a an activist and campaigner and uh she headed up something called the national viewers and listeners association in the 80s um mm. Uh, this sounds kind of like our PMRC, you know, Tipper Gore and the Tipper Stickers and all that. Did that come to you? Yeah, exactly this. And yeah. yes, it did. That that uh, that that name certainly rings a bell. Um, yeah. But this organization and her in particular classified a list of films um, under the Obscene Publications Act. Uh, they became mm. known as mm-hmm. Video Nasties. Um, <laughs> I've heard that phrase before. There you go. And uh, yeah. distributing these films was punishable by law. You know what I mean? You could you you, mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to fucking watch them, which is right. bonkers, man. Fucking crazy. Well, that's shit. the you know obscenity is like because you know I don't really know how your government is set up and whatnot with this kind of stuff. But here, mm. obviously, we have the First Amendment. Yeah. So. You know, we're supposed to have free speech and things like that. But there are certain kinds of speech that are not protected. Yeah. And obscenity is one of them. But how do you define obscenity? Exactly. And the 80s, just like you had, I mean, our government's paralleled so much in that time period. The Reagan era, the Thatcher era, all of this kind of stuff. The conservatism of the 1980s very much are paralleled mm. between our countries. Um, and that was one of the things that, like, if you classified something obscene, like, so, for example, the two live crew album that had, like, Me So Horny yeah, yeah. on it, that was classified as obscene. It was literally illegal to sell it. And they would run sting operations and go and, like, if they caught a record store owner selling it, they would mm. arrest the record store owner. And they arrested two live crew for performing it in Florida. Oh, that's um, Yeah. And eventually they... You know, they dropped the charges about it, you know, and kind of moved mm. past it. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, we said, we'll do an episode on censorship. And here we are going. <laughs> doing like, an episode just, on censorship. <laughs> we're doing an episode on censorship <laughs> unintentionally. But it, it's just, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating it's huge. phase. And, you know, as fucking ridiculous as it is now, you know what I mean? To think back to, to that, to that being a thing. Um, yeah that culture that or that clamping down on culture gave me my it 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 made horror seem all the more illicit and cool and wicked to me uh so getting exactly what happened with music and everything too exactly this so getting my sweaty young hands on a copy of you know fucking zombie flesh eaters yeah you know (laughs) like now it's like you're doing something that's like really cool and subversive where before it might not have been as appealing and that's what they found like when it came to you know all these Uh, people who are fighting back against so we call them tipper stickers or at the time called them tipper stickers it's the parental advisory stickers that are on um, i have worn that on a t-shirt before now let me tell you right it's iconic isn't it like and that was the unintentional outcome of this was that you know artists pushed back because they were like this is going to tank our sales Mm -hmm. so you had people like d snyder going in and like testifying before congress to say 
you can't put this on mm. these things. These are going to, this is censorship essentially Quite because now who's going to sell them? And then what ended up happening was that your mm. middle class suburban white kids were like, oh, rap albums have parental advisory stickers? Yes, yeah. please. Give me that. Give, me, that. Give me some of that. Boosted sales mm. instead. So good job, censorship. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> take it away. I need to do an episode on that in the future. <laughs> fun little rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I could obviously talk about this stuff. No, I, case, all so, joking yeah. aside, I think there's there's lots there. Lots there to talk yeah, about in, in, a, in a future Joag. Um, just to whip through some other stuff. Fucking don't you all look beautiful in your Joag t-shirts, by the way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, it's yeah. so cool. Yep. Cool as uh, fuck. Cool as fuck. Yeah, my mom got a mug in the mail the other day, which is yes. very, very exciting. Loving seeing people putting on those shirts. Please continue to do so and post pictures of yourself in them because yeah, you look yeah, great. My, it's incredible. I love it so much. It is. Um, mine's yet to arrive, so I'm hoping this week. Yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. Um, but soon, soon. Yeah. I got the shipping notice, so should mm, be same. Here soon. Also. We saw what, what? What have we seen this week? We watched. Oh yeah, we watched um, VFW. VFW, which stands for uh, Veterans, Veterans of Foreign, Foreign Wars. Wars. Yes, I remembered. Uh, <laughs> so, in, uh, for those who've not heard of this or seen this, what it's quite recent, is it? The last year. Uh, yeah, I want to say it's within the last year or so. I've I've been scrolling through and seeing it on Shutter for you know the past six months or so. So I guess you'd classify it as a siege movie, almost. Yeah. 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 I I put it as a zombie movie without zombies. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a zombie movie, but the zombies are those on a, a futuristic narcotic. So we're in an America of the near, not too distant future. Right. Um, when a, a, you know, a, a, a synthetic narcotic has taken the country by storm. And a small group of veterans war veterans from various different conflicts ah and right let me just cut to the chase i fucking enjoyed the shit out of this film it was great it was a lot of fun due in no small part to the really authentic kind of down at heel browbeaten but you know solidarity amongst friends in this shitty dive bar um when a you know a, a, a drug dealer gets his stash ripped off by the the sister of somebody who he's killed and they hole up in this bar while fucking junkies and murderers and nutters surround this bar and try and kill him and it's it's a blast it's gory as fuck it's it's got this lovely super gory kind of um uh what would i call it kind of synth soundtrack a john carpenter-esque mm-hmm. synth soundtrack it's all yeah, it's lit in fucking the neon wave, wave. very much so mm-hmm. um it's yeah, it's 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 a really really fun couple of hours. Gory as shit. Some really nice exploding heads. Some really nice violence. Yeah. Over the top performances. Yeah. You've got William Sadler in it, who I adore. Uh, Stephen Lang. Oh yeah, Stephen uh, Lang is always a good time. I, well, isn't no. he good? I actually didn't like that one. What is the movie where the the home invasion movie with him in it? Don't breathe. Don't breathe. Mm. I did not enjoy that. I just feel like there. It's like. There's so many other better versions of that exact movie. I, but he is great. He's fantastic. And I, 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 I came to Don't Breathe. I liked Don't Breathe because I was predisposed to like Don't Breathe. Um, I, you know, it's Fede Alvarez who had just done Evil Dead 2013. Mm-hmm. So I, I was going to like that movie anyway. Obviously, I would have liked it to have been more. 
I would have liked yeah. it to have been Evil Dead 2013 Part 2. Um, <laughs> but yeah. he I think, was the best thing about yeah. it. He was definitely the best thing about it. I mean, mm. he's also in Avatar, which is terrible as well. But he is, you know, he's I'm gonna, great. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean... Uh... Avatar. Avatar is a temple to one man's hubris, right? Avatar is... <laughs> It is an effigy of excess. Uh, it really is. Yeah. But you enjoyed it. Fucking right I did. <laughs> I like Avatar a great deal. And oh, man. I I like Avatar. I view Avatar through a, a, a very particular lens, right? In mm. that who the fuck is asking for another nine Avatar films? No one, right? No, no one. one gives a no. shit. One. And yet it's he's out absurd. there right now. James Cameron is out there as we fucking speak, right? At the bottom of the Mariana Trench or wherever the fuck he writes his <laughs> fucking script. He just sits in his little bubble machine <laughs> in the ocean and writes. Tap, 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 tap. Like Jessica fucking Fletcher on his fucking yeah. typewriter. Um, you know, spending the GDP of a fucking small nation inventing shit for a fucking yeah. film that no one gives a fuck about. So yeah. yes, that's that's. I love Avatar. I love what it is. Mm, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. I mean, that lens. There's something charming about that. James Cameron is, he is so singularly focused, and yes. it's like he is. He makes things for himself, and yes. I will give him that. I mean, and as a, a Titanic enthusiast, not necessarily the movie, although it has grown on me. I think I've talked about that before. Now I watch it every single time it's on. Yes, but like that, the Titanic, actual Titanic. The things because of his obsession yeah. he has brought us yeah. uh, are very, very cool. And so, you know, he's going to go off and he's going to make this ridiculous series of movies that none yes. of us asked for. Yeah. Um, and I do respect that, that he's just like, I have the money to do this and yeah. I am driven to do this. And this is what I want. I want to tell these stories. Like, OK. I mean, he's employing people. Yeah. People are making he's employing money people because of and him. he's pushing technology forward. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He, he, yeah. The stuff he makes is on such a... The fucking money that he burns through on his productions. <laughs> yeah. What if I were to tell you off topic, kind of off topic, it's a segue, but what if I were to tell you... I don't, right? I, we have, we have yeah. yet to be on topic at this point, so go ahead. <laughs> right, we're about an hour <laughs> in and we've not got anywhere near <laughs> our topic. What if I were to tell you that uh, about a decade ago... Mm. I had a kind of middling part, middling role in a community production of Titanic the Musical. There's so many things about that sentence I have questions about. Yep. I I don't even know where to start. I'll answer them all. Yeah. Well, firstly, Titanic the (laughs) Musical exists. It's not. Yeah. It's unrelated to the film. It's not a comedy. It it is a 100% fucking played dead straight musical uh, of that fateful night on the Titanic. Oh um, my God. This is like waiting for Guffman status to me. I. Yep. Um, uh, it's. Wow. Uh, our, our production of Titanic played at the Beaufort theater in Ebuvale in South Wales. Mm-hmm. And I was among that cast, baby. Oh, yeah. How old were you when this was happening? Oh, older than you might think. 30-odd in my 30s. <laughs> well, you said like a few years ago, so I figured it was kind of recent-ish. Yeah. Uh, 
And you had like a like were you what did you mean you have like a, a middling role? Like, oh, I, had a, like I, had, I had a song, I had a solo, you know. I, I oh yeah. What was the song? Uh, okay. I played a guy who worked in the fucking engine room. I played a stoker, an engine stoker. Of course you did. And uh I, and yeah, I had a song. I'm not I'm obviously I'm not gonna do it if that's what you, where you're fucking going. But yeah. Well, I was trying to get you there, but at least tell me about the song. I want to know what you were singing about. What does an engine stoker sing about? So the the song was about. Have you seen the recent, fantastically kind of successful tweet from a girl who did a a, a TikTok about how northern people from the north of England are always portrayed in musicals? No. Right. I'll again. I'll link it under the fucking under this episode because <laughs> it's funny as fuck and it's true. Okay. I had a song about how uh, people from the north of England had come down to this fucking monument to excess and, and wealth and we're working in the fucking engine room, lads. That was that was my song. So it's the entirety of Sting's The Last Ship, basically. Uh, I'll pretend to know what that is and say yes. Oh, it's actually a delightful musical oh, really? uh, that Sting wrote about um, basically uh, Maggie Thatcher closing down all the shipbuilding that's exactly what um, it is that the, yeah. my my song in titanic the musical was that excellent <laughs> i am totally gonna make you sing this for me later uh, you may not do it on the podcast but i am 100 gonna have there, to hear a no, few bars of this there's no may not about it <laughs> <laughs> i demand a few bars okay you'll so. get them you'll get them as you know <laughs> uh yeah okay so <laughs> should we talk about what we came here to talk about, do you think? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we're, yeah, I, I think, I think so. Are we really an hour in? We're, Fuck, we're... we really are. <laughs> <laughs> when will we ever shut up, Mark? Chat of all graves. <laughs> I tell you, there's fuck all. There's nothing I can't turn into a pun on our podcast. Uh, yeah, much to my dismay. Mm-hmm. What we came here to talk about. Mm. It's natural disasters. Natural disasters, which is a, a a topic that I have always been interested in. I've always been interested in like weather, uh, which is one of the reasons that I hated living in Southern California for so long was because the weather never changes. Oh, do you mean? Um, are we talking destructive weather phenomena? Yeah, like well, any kind really, okay. but yeah, destructive ones. So I would like legitimately sit and like at hurricane season, mm. I would just sit and turn on the Weather Channel and watch coverage of hurricanes, mm. um, you know, and stuff like that. Just like always fascinated me. I don't know. Maybe it started with Twister, mm. um, because as we know, I'm obsessed with that. But basically, any kind of disastrous occurrence. I like that just happens, you know, not our man-made type stuff, but like just things that happen. I find fascinating. Well, yeah, same. I mean, how can you not? I mean, is it the same with you as it is for me? I mean, this idea that at any fucking point, pretty much wherever you are, the 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 earth and its atmosphere can just flick you off like a flea. It can it can yeah, just it can buck just... you off like a like a like a bull. Yeah, and I think you know, there's some of the stuff, maybe it's where you live and whatnot, that I'm like, I'm not bothered by, right? Like, I'm not bothered by hurricanes or things like that, because I grew up and those existed. Mm. Whereas, like, tornadoes, I'm like, I will never live in a place with tornadoes, because it just feels like it's tempting it. Why did people stop in that middle of the U.S. part where yeah. 
weather is constantly flicking them off the earth. Like, yeah. you know, like it just feels like maybe just why didn't they just keep moving yeah. past where they do that? So, yeah, it's always been kind of a thing for me. What's your like, do you have like a, a weather or natural phenomenon that is like your pet fear or anything like that? So I I love an earthquake, right? I love mm. I just I just love the fucking concept. I've been in one. Have I, have I told you about this? Uh, maybe I've spoken about this in the, in the cast before. I've been in a really kind of uh, comparatively mild earthquake when I was in the Philippines. And it was, mm. oh, it was fun. It was such fun. <laughs> um, I mean, a small one, I guess, can be kind of fun. Just it's degrees. It was huge. Either fun. nauseating it, 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 just, or dangerous. Just in case I haven't spoken about this in the cast before, I'll just outline it. We were working late in an office building with some some of the guys from the the the, the island that we were on, and they all noticed the 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 local guys all noticed a good kind of 10, 15 seconds before anyone else did. Right, uh, and we looked up and saw them exchanging eye contact with one another, going, "Yep, let's go," and then we <laughs> started to feel the fucking ground moving. And it was exactly that. It was this undulating sensation. Kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Beneath us. Um, yeah, I hate I, those. Those are the worst kind to me. Oh, you've been in a couple yourself, have you? Oh, I, I, from California. I've been in many earthquakes. Fine. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> earthquakes are a normal phenomenon to me. Okay. Thus, not one that I'm super scared of. Although, I mean, so I'm not from from California. I'm obviously from Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, and one of the ones that I sort of picked out to talk today came from... Uh, like being one of my first awarenesses of of earthquakes. And that was in 1989, mm. there was an earthquake in San Francisco. Um, I call it the Loma Prieta earthquake or the San Francisco-Oakland earthquake. Mm. Um, and I remember it was the World Series uh, and they were like preparing. The World Series was in Oakland that year. And so they were preparing for it. Like the game was supposed to start at 530 but at like 503 mm. there was this earthquake so i was watching tv you know i was watching the lead up to this this was all televised um and i remember initially thinking it looked kind of fun because mm. everything just sort of like shook around and whatnot <laughs> and i was like oh that's really interesting but then i also remember the coverage afterwards and the thing that i was terrified of fire mark fire was like my that was i was convinced i saw backdraft really yeah, early yeah, yeah, like yeah, things yeah, like sure, that sure, and this sure. might have been before even that but i was always terrified of fire like my house is gonna burn down uh things were gonna explode whatever and i found out that earthquakes could like break gas lines and cause fires yep and that terrified me yep and the more that i heard about this the more terrifying this began to seem so the loma prieta earthquake um it ended up killing in total I was going to say only, but compared to what the damage would have been or like the 1906 San Francisco earthquake that did a lot more damage. Mm. Um, it killed 67 people on October 17th, 1989. It was a magnitude 6.9 earthquake, which is yeah. really big. I think the biggest one Huge. I've ever been in was maybe like a, a five-ish, somewhere in that. And that's like, that'll rock you. That'll rock you. Ca categorize the damage that caused then, a magnitude five earthquake. How, a magnitude how... five won't necessarily cause well, so especially as a result of the Loma Prieta earthquake, all of California's buildings are mostly retrofitted. They are right. made so that if there is an earthquake, 
they like sway with it. Mm. So they don't have like a rigid mm. um, foundation that would crack and collapse when there's an earthquake. Uh, same with our bridges, which I will get to in a second why we're very careful about that in California. Um, but so it doesn't necessarily cause a lot of damage, but it will, I mean, things will break. Things will crack. Mm. Buildings will crack. So, but it feels, it's just, you know, jarring. Everything shakes. You can see things sway. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 6.9 is, I. it's hard for me to even fathom mm. <laughs> what that would really feel like. But a good chunk of my friends experienced this because I moved to the Bay Area um, later on. So they all have memories of like, where was I during the Loma Prieta earthquake? I remember my, my next door neighbor, Jenna, she was in a 7-Eleven and she remembers hiding under the gumball machine. <laughs> like that she just remembers that like she like went over and that was like the the thing that her like four-year-old mind thought to go and hmm. like hide by. Um, but so, yeah, like I said, it was the third game of the 89 World Series between the Giants and, and Oakland. Um, and it was at San Francisco at the at Candlestick at the time. Um, and so like people were, you know, listening to it on the radio and whatnot in their car. This is peak commute. Um, and in the Bay Area, as you can imagine, considering it's called the Bay Area, there are bridges everywhere mm. so when you're driving around there it's like if you need to get to san francisco from the east bay you're going across the bridge if you need to get from this part to this part you're always going across the bridge most famously the golden gate bridge but you mm. got the bay bridge the dunbarton bridge all these different bridges um that you're constantly um passing over so a lot of people were in traffic on these bridges um when this hit at five o'clock and uh so this is where things were you know mainly centered uh, so, you know, you had your sort of things that happened, like the marina district, which is like on the water, um, suffered a lot of damage because there was no underlying bedrock there and the ground liquefied, which caused Whoa. the collapse of structures. Yeah. Um, which I remember from when I was in middle school, there was an earthquake when I was out at PE and that my my school was built on like a landfill. Mm. And I just remember that feeling of it being like liquid. It was yeah, like... Yeah, 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 yeah just rolling and like soft That's insane, underneath me. It? Yeah, mm. there's a very weird feeling. Um, like I said, gas mains and pipes burst, uh, sparking fires. But one of the biggest uh, things that happened was that a 1.25 mile segment of the Cypress Street viaduct along the Nimitz Freeway on 880, uh, just south of the uh, San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge collapsed. Uh, and so basically the, you know, there were multiple levels of this freeway. A lot of them, like you'll have a eastbound is one level and westbound is the other things like that. Lots of two level bridges. Mm. The top level collapsed, uh, and crushed <sighs> the cars underneath. And I remember, you know, reading something years ago about how like some of those cars were crushed so compact that we're talking about like, like inches uh. that's how much they were crushed in one case i remember there was like a case of two kids who were in the back seat of a car and their parents were absolutely crushed and they were in the back seat and they were you know pulled out but like these this bridge crushes all of these people and some people were able to get out because and and we're talking like their car had been crushed to like three feet spaces um, and they were still managed to sort of like mm. climb out of this stuff. But they had like a good chunk of these people, like I said, 42 fatalities were just crushed to death in their cars. 
Um, and that scared the absolute shit out of me. Um, one person was killed also on the Bay Bridge, mm. uh, which had been scheduled for a retrofitting the following week Ugh. and collapsed onto the lower level. Now, coincidentally, there was a ABC7 news reporter named Leslie Brinkley who was on her way to an assignment in Oakland uh, and was on the Oakland Bay Bridge with her crew when crossing it. So she actually sort of stood out there, talked to people, got video, all that kind of stuff. There is a video from this incident that I'm going to send to you right now. Oh, that's horrific. Oh, man, those poor people. She want to explain what you just saw in that video. Um, that, that bridge, that, that, that highway essentially looks like a fucking sandwich. Mm-hmm. That had that had, you know, collapsed, leaving cars in the middle. Yep. Um, cars falling into a fissure that had opened up right in front of them. Ah, right. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, that image was like seared in my mind from childhood. Mm. So basically, you know, the the Oakland Bay Bridge had collapsed, and unlike the Cy- Cypress Viaduct, which mm. had like crushed people underneath. Thankfully, this one didn't crush anyone and almost would have, you know, gone without fatalities, um, except that this person essentially, I mean, from what I've read, I, like they kind of panicked. Um, and I think it was a woman and like her brother or something like that who were in the car. But mm. this giant 40 foot fissure has opened between the two ends of the bridge here. Uh, and so she was driving like the wrong way just trying to figure out how to get off the bridge after this had happened kind of panicked whatever mm. and decided to try to jump it essentially <sighs> uh and so you know uh, drove the car out uh and you know once it gets it doesn't make it it just kind of falls and like hits the the other side of the bridge instead of you know, going up and making it. Um, and so the driver died, the passenger survived, and that's the one death um, that happened uh, from the Bay Bridge collapse there. Mm. But yeah, ultimately this was, I mean, the the bridges were the main source of the deaths that happened here. And when I moved to Southern Cal, I mean, to Northern California, that was like, like driving on those bridges with that image burned into yeah, my yeah, head yeah, sure. from childhood was like, it took me a long time to not be terrified. Did those very same bridges get repaired? Are they exactly the way they were? They're not exactly the way no, they of were. Course, no. but so, it, uh, and in fact, the Bay Bridge only fully was completed like three years ago or something why? like that. Like, I mean, they fixed it, mm. uh, but like the like one entire section of it was just they tried to like you know sort of repair it, but it was just beyond. They were like, we're gonna have to like redo this entire thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, they have now since all the bridges have kind of been made much more earthquake safe and buildings have much stricter mm-hmm. um, codes. And that started after the 1906 earthquake, too. They started figuring out like how to make something that will not collapse, which one of the interesting things is if you look at stuff like the Golden Gate Bridge, which is a mm-hmm. suspension bridge, uh, if it's extremely windy, <laughs> you can see it move. Yeah, we've uh, all seen that footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you know, it's meant to not just like snap yeah if there is an earthquake uh but yeah that's one of my favorite horror stories uh that a good chunk of people that i grew up with also experienced as their own personal horror story i mean the you talk about kind of cities being built in preparation for earthquakes cities being built Mm -hmm. with earthquake kind of insurance in mind 
Um, I've read a lot today about uh, what what history is is you know recording as either the second or third deadliest earthquake in history in the Tangshan area of China in 1976. Mm. Um, uh, it happened on the 28th of July. It hit early, uh, kind of in the middle of the night, kind of half three in the morning, right? Uh, mm. According to the scale they use, the Mercalli scale, it was an 11, all right? Uh, 242,000 dead. 242,000? According to official figures, according to official Chinese government right. figures. Uh, right? Yeah. Um, a city that was built with no consideration for earthquake preparedness at all. Did they not generally have them or it was just like, they're like, meh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right. There are so, there are proper layers to Chinese politics and society about preparing for earthquakes, right? Mm -hmm. um, because uh, spiritually, um, an earthquake, damage to an earthquake apparently can be seen as kind of God's uh, displaying a lack of faith in the government, Hmm. Okay. Very, very interesting yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. So the the lack of kind of being able to predict this earthquake, the lack of any preparation in the building of the city, the fact that uh, there were a lot of different factors. The fact that it was quite close to the surface; it was just twelve kilometers under the ground. Mm. Uh, you could feel that motherfucker right for eleven hundred kilometers around directly. Um, there were fifty fucking deaths from that same earthquake in Beijing, like one hundred and forty odd kilometers away. I don't really know what a kilometer is, but it still sounds far just by the It was fucking size huge. of that number. Eighty five percent of all buildings completely leveled, uh, total collapse of all eighty five percent of all buildings leveled. There are there are lots of pictures. Uh, this was you know, nineteen seventy six, not yeah, all that, not long that long ago. ago. Do take a look for photos of this because the place looks like a fucking bomb has gone off. Jeez. Um and you know, you talk about risk of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, that you know you've got to mention the 2011 fukushima incident in japan yeah you know you would that they would build a fucking nuclear power plant in an area prone to to kind of seismic events mm -hmm. um the that nuclear disaster is second only to chernobyl in terms of severity. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And caused directly by an earthquake. So yes, you know, risk of kind of gas lines, risk of, you know, any any mining in the area. That, um, that Tangshan earthquake, a lot of the fatalities were caused by coal mines collapsing with people in them. Oh, jeez Louise. That's horrifying. Fucking horrific. Um, rail uh, derailments of trains. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it isn't just about planning your city's infrastructure. It's about planning a fucking nuclear plant on a, on a fault, you know? Right. You're like, I can see, you know, it feels like someone would have said, hey, mm. that's a bad idea. You're just kind of asking for trouble there. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and the thing is, that's what gets, like, with earthquakes, so many other things that happen, the damage is directly the result of the thing itself. Yeah. You know, so, like, with earthquakes... Or with um like a hurricane, like mm. high winds knock mm. shit over, um, yeah. things like that. Or there's flooding, um, 
you know, obviously like Katrina being yes. like our huge example of that, um, where the devastation that came out of that uh, from those floodwaters and the breaking of the levees and, and things like that was just yeah. huge because, I mean, it's basic. These are things that happen in hurricanes. And again, the infrastructure was set up yeah. uh, in such a way that caused an even greater disaster um, on top of just the fact that you have a lot of like a good chunk of Louisiana that lives like we imagine the idea of a third world country. Mm. And we just were ignoring that. Is that, is that um, still the case now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Hell. Yeah, there's, you know, there's these hugely ignored places. And there were some documentaries that were made after Katrina that I think kind of opened people's up, eyes up to the fact that, like, you know, there were people living there who didn't have electricity uh, and, you know, didn't have basic things that we think of as like, oh, it's America. You would have that. Even beforehand. And so it's just like beforehand, before this happened, they didn't have these this access to resources when people are like why didn't they leave and stuff like that's like some people didn't even know because mm. they didn't have access to something that would have told them but on top mm. of that where were they going to go so you know there's failures there's uh, of government failures of infrastructure and all that uh, and then you get things like tornadoes and stuff like that that again it's the power of the mm. the event itself mm. which is terrifying but then when you think about earthquakes, the thing is that it's like, it's not, the earthquake doesn't usually kill people. Sure. It's all the other things the that happen collapse, as a result. The systemic collapse. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. systemic collapse that happens and like, and just basic things failing, mm. you know, like things like fires and gas breaks and things like that. I mean, I became obsessed with like, making sure I couldn't smell gas and things were, I mean, to this day, I think that's why I'm like very paranoid about that. Like mm. check the oven like 37 times before I leave the house and whatnot. Cause it just, it seared into my brain, this idea that like one thing goes wrong and mm. pff, everything explodes. That's why like earthquakes don't scare me in the sense that I, you know, lived through many of them and all that kind of stuff. But they're also, when we left California, part of me went, thank God we weren't there for the big one. Because that's what we talk about. The big one is coming. There will be. It's we're overdue. We should have had it by now. Look, if you want to be scared about something, uh oh. It's just make it's just be scared of meteors, right? If you want to be scared <laughs> of anything, it's got to be fucking meteors. Oh, you know, meteors. I'm, a, I'm afraid of meteors. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> allow me to talk a little to to round us off, if you would, about the the Chicxulub impact, or right? Okay. Uh, so do please come back with me 66 million years. All right. Oh, all yeah. Right. yeah. Um, <laughs> the Chicxulub impactor is so named because it hit in Mexico and there's now a town at the center of impact called Chicxulub Pueblo. Right. Okay. Now, 15 kilometers diameter. That's, I, again, I don't know what a kilometer is, but I feel like that's at least 15K, many miles. Yeah, you're looking at about nine, ten miles. Okay, thought, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, now, this lad landed in a quite a shallow ocean, right? And within mm -hmm. 30 seconds, within 30 fucking seconds of it landing, of it hitting us, uh, it had opened up a 30-kilometer cavity in the fucking earth, reaching down to the earth's mantle. I'm sure that was fine. Yep. Um, a fireball. Right. So, okay. The biggest 
nuclear explosion that mankind has ever generated is somewhere in the region of 50 megatons, right? Mm -hmm. The release of energy from this impact uh, was in the region of 100 million fucking megatons. Uh, Instantly (laughs) fucked all life within a thousand kilometers. Launched a curtain of debris around the world traveling at a rate of kilometers per second. Um... Altered permanently the global ecosystem. It literally fucking blocked out the sun with the amount of debris it threw into the atmosphere. uh, And killed all animal life and most plant life on the planet. So if you're going to fucking worry about something. (sighs) Yeah, because there's like, you know, all of our whatever we have up to try to defend us against things hitting us. If something like that comes at us, there's... We've got nothing to do. We've got nothing. There's nothing. Our only defense is Bruce Willis and is Bruce Willis and Steve Buscemi, right? (laughs) So that's not great. I do think I want to say that this was talked about in there was a Discovery Channel series that was actually really interesting, um, and for some reason was hosted by Will Smith. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, like why? Why wouldn't a science show be hosted by? Will Smith. Um. <laughs> you know, to this day, one of a very, very small handful of films that I've ever walked out of a fucking cinema from was Wild Wild West. Uh, yeah, that makes I sense. Turn tail and but that song is a banger. Wiki wa Wiki wa wa West. Yeah. Jim West. Desperado. Desperado. Rider. Yep. Uh, <laughs> one strange rock was the name of the the show, but I think it talked about that. And one of the things that was really interesting about it was that, like, yes, it killed everything off, but also the movement of like life and like the you know the debris from that and how yep. that shaped and like in ways continues to shape yes. uh, the world yes, that we yes, live in, yes. which I think was really fascinating. I highly yep. recommend. It's like a very like it's a very beautiful show. It's like really cool to watch, but it also just oh, nice. has like these really interesting mm. outside of the realm of like normal documentaries. It's just kind of like, here's the one thing that we want to tell you about. Like mm. this will start with like, oh, here was this meteor hit or, you know, here was some thing that happened. And we're going to tell you about a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't seem connected. Mm. And then it's going to come around and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. my God. It's yeah. this is all one uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, and the the, I I, hey, I'm no boffin, right? But it, it feel, the, <laughs> the very fact that you and I are sat here having this discussion is probably doing no small part to that impact on a exactly. macro level, you know? Right. If it hadn't happened, there would be none We'd be of speaking this. lizard, mate. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to talk to a lizard. What would they say? What would you I say to? Asked them yet? What would I say to a lizard? <laughs> How's it going? That's a good question. Yeah, just like, what's up? What's up? Do you have a girlfriend? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I'm concerned with the relationship status. It's very concerned. funny. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if any, I mean, living in, in the UK, I'm way more, I'm way more anxious about fucking uh, space impacts than I am earthquakes. Because we, yeah. we do, we do get earthquakes here very, very, very it's, rarely, yeah, but they're minute, different. you know? Yeah, I feel like you, the United States, again, as we talked about last week, is just, like, such a giant landmass yeah. that we have, like, most forms of terrifying thing that can happen, mm. you know? it's We've got hurricanes, tornadoes, 
tsunamis, volcanoes, wow, any number. Old. Yeah, <laughs> like depending on where you are, mm. we've got all of this stuff to worry about. So I can see how other places would be more like, yeah, it's meteors, but we've got we've got a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> everywhere's a nightmare. Everywhere's a nightmare, and. If there was ever a more appropriate phrase to end an episode of Joag on, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I could think of it. Everything's a nightmare by 